ladies, we appreciate you singing that wonderful song and the uh, thought of it. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you today. Glad that you're in the house of the Lord, and uh, we look forward to what the Lord has for us. I've asked Pastor Shemish to give the message this morning, so he's going to come and uh, share with us, and, uh, and I appreciate his flexibility. Uh, we, I'd uh, asked him earlier in the week if he would preach tonight, and I was going to preach this morning, and then uh, yesterday I asked if we could swap that around. Is there something I want to share with the church tonight? I believe will be better suited for this evening. So he's been flexible with that, and I appreciate that, and we trust that... Uh, We'll get from the Lord this morning what we have for this time. So, Pastor, if you come, bring the word of God to us. We appreciate that. And thanks again for being in the house of the Lord this morning. We look forward to what the Lord has for us. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. I'm always flexible when the pastor asks me to do something. I just, I'm always flexible. Galatians chapter 3. All over the world, I say to people, whatever you want, Pastor. They say, would this be all right with you, Brother Chip? Whatever you want, Pastor. Uh, you, can, you can preach me, pull me, shelve me, whatever you tell me I'm going to do. So uh, I just am fine with that. Um, one, because I just think that's, that you probably should have that kind of spirit, by the way. Just try to, uh, part of being a blessing is just learning to fit in with other people. You know, stop arguing about everything. Stop, stop, stop looking for the next thing where you feel you were slighted or insulted. You know, that's, that's very childish. You say, I'm a grown-up. Yeah, but you're emotionally like a child. You need emotional maturity. And uh, you need, um, I'll tell you what will give you emotional maturity will be a sense of priorities of what matters in life and what doesn't matter. And sometimes we're emotionally immature because we make a big thing out of things that don't really matter. And then we neglect the things that do matter. And when you're emotionally immature, you know, you become a hindrance to the people around you who are trying to focus on the things that do matter. You know, you, you fuss and fight over things that really don't, don't, aren't going to count for anything. And it's often just about our own personal sense of, well, I feel aggrieved. The problem is some people, you just feel aggrieved about everything. You know, learn, learn to just be Christ-like. Go, go, and, go and re... You know, get, off, get off the internet and off your, uh, you know, your hero preachers who slam and say things and are abusive and you think that's good. Go and do a study on what is Christ-likeness. Uh, go, go, go back and read Matthew chapter 5 uh, and 6 and 7. And re-immerse yourself in what it is to have a Christ-like attitude and a Christ-like spirit. Uh, because uh, Christianity is not just for two hours on Sunday morning. It ought to be, uh, it ought to be a, a way we live and, and uh, it ought to certainly manifest itself in our relationships with other people. You know, a sense of humility and uh, servanthood. I think all of that is very important. And I learned that because the Christianity I started out in was not that way. I started out in a Christianity that was uh, very uh, experience-based. I was saved in a Pentecostal church. I told you that before. I'm glad, I'm glad those folks were there. I truly am. I, I thank God for them. Uh, I thank God for those who gave me the gospel, and they did give me the gospel. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of teaching after that. It was very me-centric. So you would go to church with a sense of, you know, what am I going to get from this today? And there wasn't a lot of teaching that challenged you about yourself. And if you never hear that, you'll stay the same. And, uh, you know, staying the same can be ugly. We, we need the Lord to change us, to change our heart, you know, your mouth betrays your heart. You know, you speak, you speak so much, we don't have to wonder what you're like. It's loud and clear to everybody around you. And, uh, you know, understanding those things will, will cause us to want to be different. And I had to learn to be different. I should be very aggressive. Uh, I was, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd throw Bible verses at people like you throw a stone at someone. You know, I try to find out what would be cutting and hurtful, but became, because it came from the Bible, I could just say it. And there's nothing Christ-like about that. Nothing. 
And the Lord just had to temper me. And if you won't temper yourself, then maybe the Lord will have to lead you through suffering because suffering will temper you. And suffering will humble you. And uh, suffering will, will uh, remove a lot of things from life that uh, need to go. So I do think we ought to have a, a, a spirit that wants to be a blessing. Uh, the, long, the longer I walk in the faith and go on, uh, I want to be able to be at a place and when they leave, they say, Brother Shemish was a blessing. Uh, I, I, I pray now not to do well in the pulpit, although I, I, I want to be uh, useful, but I pray to be a blessing. That's really what I want to be. I want my life to be a blessing to others. I, I want to go places where people are better because I was there uh, than if I had not been there. And that's just about service and having a servant attitude, uh, having compassion on people, having a little bit of wisdom where you understand life and understand that people are on a journey. So I, I do believe we ought to be that way. And, uh, you know, we, sometimes we're, we're looking for things that are sort of abstract and out there somewhere but, but people of old just understood that Christian life is about things most of us already know, like being Christ-like, about how you speak, about, about your kindness to others. Some, some Christians are just not kind. You're just not kind. You're not kind in the way you talk about others. Uh, some, some Christians are always looking to fight. They're adversarial in their perspective of life. And every time they hear something, they think that somebody's trying to have a go at someone. That says something about you. That says something about you. You need to delve into your own psychology a little bit because uh, you, you have become like you're now looking for it. And I, I believe that when the people of God get right, we welcome the Holy Spirit in our presence. And, and his working will do marvellous things in our presence. Uh, when you have the Holy Spirit just working in your presence. But we need to be a place where he feels like he wants to be. Uh, I was preaching last uh, Sunday at another church in the morning, a different one at night. And uh, last Sunday morning, uh, preaching at the church, uh, uh, not, not, as, not as many people as this one, but a, but, a, but a good service, great church. Clearly God was there. I could feel the Spirit of God and that's always a good thing. And I got up to preach and uh, I just mentioned in the sermon, and this is how the Holy Spirit can lead you, I just mentioned in the sermon that my family had come from Madhubar. So Madhubar, if you don't know, and if you don't know, it's okay, a lot of people don't know, Madhubar is in the hinterland of the Gold Coast. So, you know, you sort of just pass through it on the way down. But my family got a crown grant from the government in the 1800s in Madhubar to cut down timber. Uh, there was a lot more trees back then. And, uh, and, uh, and pull it out with bullock teams. So, so large teams of bullocks would pull out the logs. And so, you know, my family came from down there. And I just happened to mention that last Sunday morning as I was preaching. And, um, and I had no idea, uh, but there was, a, there was three people sitting in that service of about 60 people. Three had come from Madhubar. And one was not saved. And so I was telling my story and mentioning Madhubar. And if you come from Madhubar, people don't talk about Madhubar. So if it comes up, they're kind of like, you know. And so, so, you know, I could see a little bit of... And there was someone being baptised that day. I knew there was a baptismal service after the, after the preaching. And the young man, about 20 or so, being baptised, he was from Madhubar. And his dad was there and his dad's partner from Madhubar. And so it was just a wonderful service and God blessed and, and I just preached and at the end I gave, uh, it wasn't a salvation message but salvation was along the way, I gave an invitation for salvation and uh, this lady about my age, you know, I didn't know of course all this but up, up went her hand for salvation and then another one and, and uh, after I saw she was in the pastor's office uh, getting talked to about salvation, her uh, you know, her, her husband came up to me and he said, we're from Madhubar. <laughs> you know, he had a big beard, you know, down like, look, look like Madhubar people. <laughs> and, uh, and the boy getting baptised, he said, uh, he said I'm, from, I'm from Madji, you know, the, the slang if you're from Madhubar, you know. And I said, oh, that's fantastic, mate. He goes, yeah, I got saved recently. And he was jubilant and studying the Bible and, 
And, uh, and his dad talked to me. He said, he said I, I got witness to it, Madribah. He said, and, you know, we're from there. He said, and as soon as you said it, you know, I thought, Shemish, Shemish. There's Shemish Court in Madribah, of course. It's because uh, our family has a street named after them down there. The same spelling. And it was just wonderful. And, you know, when the Holy Spirit works, just great things can happen that you don't even know is happening, but it is happening. And it was just a thrill to me to see this uh, Aussie lady, you know, uh, uh, receive Christ and, and uh, the, the, her partner, the husband, and the boy said to me, you know, we, we've been witnessing to her at home, we've been witnessing to her, but we told her, you just got to come, you know, you just got to come. And she come today and then, you know, this happened about you talking about Bar. So it's a great thing when the Spirit of God works like that. And, uh, you know, we ought to believe for it. You know, I, I believe this today. I believe God has something to say to you today. Amen. Now, it may have happened already. You say, you haven't preached yet. Yeah, but, but that doesn't mean he hasn't started talking yet. It may have happened already where the Lord has said some things to you. And, uh, and I, I pray that you'd be sensitive to that, whatever it is that God would say. You know, I have a sense. I'm going to read three verses from Galatians. So it's not a long reading. I have a sense as we meet this morning... I feel that we are likened, perhaps, unto those who, uh, you know, I wonder this. Did, did, as they were building Noah's Ark, and it was sort of mostly complete, but not complete, and it hadn't floated away yet, it was still there. I, wondered, I wonder, did they meet in the Ark? You know, when I, when I had boats... I used to sit in the boats on the back of the trailer just, just to do it. I've got pictures of me and the kids sitting in the boat, you know, in the back of the trailer just, just kind of to enjoy it until I could get it out on the water. But uh, I wonder, did they, did they go into the ark and have their meetings there? And, and I'm sure they worship God. Wouldn't you agree with that, that Noah would have worshipped the Lord? Uh, and uh, I just wonder if they met in the ark and, and they knew, you know, the time is going to come where we're going to float away from here and the rest of the world is going to perish and be destroyed by God. And we're, we are in that day. And I, I have a sense when we come to church, we're meeting in the ark because it's not far away now uh, when uh, we will go, the Lord, the Lord will come back, and I'll, I'll uh, you know, I, I would dare to guarantee it uh, that it will be soon. Uh, I, I really believe everything is heading that way. You know, I don't know if you've read in the Bible about the kings of the east and tribulation period, but the kings of the east is going to be a major military force during the tribulation years. That's happening in our time. The rise of China can be explained that way. So if you're wondering why is this thing all happening with China, because the Bible said this was going to happen. So, so this, was, this was going to happen. And, and, and for to be kings of the East, it means that they're going to, there's going to be a conglomeration of kings all across uh, uh, Asia who will, who will uh, uh, band together. So we're witnessing that in our time. It's, that's, that's what's going on. Okay? It's not just... This is not just some little geopolitical thing that's going to pass away. This is, this is the setup for what's about to happen. So, so all of this tells us it's near. Uh, somebody uh, who has connections with people who work at Amazon headquarters in Seattle uh, sent me yesterday uh, Amazon's, uh, it's called Amazon One, you can look it up on the internet, sent me Amazon's advertising for their palm reading where you just walk in now to the shop and, and they say, you don't need a card anymore, you don't need anything, we, we, will, scan your, we will scan your hand. And you just, whoop, and then you go in and you just pick out everything you want to buy and you leave again, it gets charged to your account. Now, now, these people, the tech giants, are building the infrastructure of the Antichrist. Don't doubt it. If you want to understand what's going on with technology... They're building the infrastructure of the Antichrist. 
They're, they're building everything that will be needed for the tribulation years. That's why they've been allowed to rise up in our day. Uh, most of them are evil who head up these companies. They're anti-God in every way. And uh, technology has become their God. So that's what's going on. And I'm just saying, open your eyes to what's going on. It's one of the reasons I'm not enamoured with technology is because I know what's going on behind it and where it's headed to. Galatians chapter 3, three verses. Let's have a, uh, a message from, well, uh, from the Word of God. Verse number 13 of Galatians chapter 3. We'll read 13, 14 and 15. If you're visiting, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, on behalf of Pastor Lloyd and others, we're glad that you're here. And we want you to feel relaxed. If you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you're welcome in this church. We're glad you're here. Verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, uh, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth it or addeth thereto. I want to uh, talk to you this morning uh, about uh, when the curse turns to a blessing. When the curse turns to a blessing. And I, I'm going to just uh, reference what Christ did for us in becoming a curse for us and how that fell out unto great blessing for us. But really then what I want to do, I, I want to talk about maybe curses in your life. And I, I don't mean that you are cursed, but I mean things that, that may be in your life or have come down through your family, or have come down through generations before you, and it's something in your life, or uh, it might be some things, it might be identified, you might well know what it is, you go, yeah, I'm already thinking of something, uh, or maybe, you know, it's something that will yet to be revealed. But sometimes what we do, we have the thing in our life and we say, you know, this thing is a curse. This is just, it's a curse in my life. It just keeps, re it keeps uh, uh, appearing its ugly head in my life. Uh, it keeps assailing me. It hinders me. It troubles me. I just wish it would go. I just wish this thing wasn't here anymore. And there are things like that that can come in our life. And uh, what God does in a wonderful way, God has an ability to take something that is a curse and turn it and use it unto great good. Now, I, I, I want you to listen carefully as we clarify that because the danger in making a statement like that is that you might say, well, if it is used for good, is it not then good? And uh, that would not be correct. Are you listening? God can take things that are bad and he can turn them in his hand into something good. Now, he never says the thing bad uh, is no longer bad because it got used for good. Are, are you with me? But what he is saying is I have an ability to do something that you can't do for yourself, that nobody else can do for you. But what I can do, because I'm God, I can take some bad thing, some curse in your life or in your family or something... And what I can do that it just, I will turn it that it will fall out under some good. And that's the marvellous thing that the Lord does. And it, it, it's, all, it's kind of, I find it one of the amazing things about God. Uh, so Christ on the cross uh, became a curse for us. Remember that when Adam sinned, uh, uh, the, the world was, the earth was cursed. And the curse of sin fell upon all of us. It cut us off from God. It brought many troubles to our lives. And uh, what, what the Lord did in becoming a curse on the cross himself, he, he fixed that for us. He, he, he took that bad thing 
and out of it he brought a good thing. Now, nowhere in the Bible would you ever see it saying that what Adam, Adam's sin was a good thing. It never says that. But all I'm trying for you to understand is that God took that and gave us something far better uh, out of it. And I'll explain it. So, so, and I've mentioned this before, so move quick. But, but the, the, pass, the words, the phrase that occurs in Romans chapter 5 and other places is the phrase, much more, much more. And it talks about that in Christ, we have much more than we would have had. So, so if Adam had never sinned, what would you be? You would be, this morning, a child of Adam. Are you listening? If Adam had never sinned, what's the highest level you could rise to? Well, you would say, I'm a child of Adam. You, you, you would never get beyond that state and uh, that's what you would be. But Adam's sin and the curse that came from that, because of how the Lord responded to that curse and came and offered himself to pay for our sins and die on the cross and be raised again by the approval and power of God, because the Lord did that for us, he delivered us from the curse of sin. But, but this morning, you're not just a child of Adam. Today, you're a child of God. And can you see that God took something bad and used it to elevate your state? Is that, do you understand that? That's the marvel of that. If, there, if there'd be no sin, you say, well, the world would be a better place and probably, but what you would be, you would be a child of Adam. But because of how God used the bad situation, you actually came out of it with much more than you, you would have had if it hadn't happened. But we're not saying because it happened that was a good thing. Are we, are we okay with the balance of that? So, so application to your life. We're not saying that if there's a curse in your family or there's a curse in your life, that, that that's a good thing. Nobody's calling it a good thing. And I don't think you should call it a good thing. But God might give you a grace to get to the place where you can see God has taken the curse and it's fallen out unto a blessing. And that's, that's what I want you to, to see as it did on the cross. So how does a curse become a blessing? Number one, it becomes a blessing when it ends with us. You say, what do you mean? I, I, mean, I mean, for Christ and the curse of sin, what he did was a once-only event. He said on the cross, it is finished and it's done. So, so Christ didn't need to die again. Uh, he didn't need to die anymore. What he did was done once. It was dealt with. There was no continuation of that. There is salvation away from the curse in Christ. Uh, but in our life, if a curse has come into our life or we found something in our family, listen, it can become a blessing if it got to me if it gets no further than me. So I'll give you an example. Uh, my family, and you always want to be careful talking about your family, particularly people's sensitivities now, uh, you know, sometimes even saying things that are true can, be, can seem offensive, and I, I don't mean any offence, uh, but my family had a battle with alcoholism for generations. And, uh, and I'm not just talking about they enjoyed a drink. I'm talking about it was, it was destructive to them and to everyone in their families. And, uh, and uh, in, so much so that uh, my father died of uh, alcoholism uh, at 62. Um, his uh, sister, my auntie, who I remember uh, well, she died of alcoholism at 48. Uh, my father's brother died of alcoholism uh, and I'm just saying that, that it was in that generation above me and it was in the generation, uh, if you go a little bit further back, and I don't know where it started, but there was, a, there was a perpetual curse of alcoholism kept rearing itself in the generations of my family. 
Now, there wasn't a lot I could do about that. I was just born into it. And what I'm saying is not unique just to my family. There will be families here today that will go, that is also my family. And there will be many, many families in Australia, uh, many Indigenous families, uh, many other families who will say this has been chronic in our generations for a long time. All right, so there's a curse there. Now, now it may be something else for somebody else, but that's an example that I can, can share uh, because I understand generational alcoholism. I, I'll tell you another one. Debt. A curse of generational debt. Where, where it moves from one generation to another to another. They are perpetually in debt and in bondage to debt their whole, all of their days. The children learn from the parents. The parents learn from their parents. It's, that cycle is never broken. And debt is a bondage. And it, it, it chokes a lot of people in Thailand. Uh, so, so here's the blessing. Okay, it's arrived at you. And now, and now you're in Christ. All right, so right now, right now, you have a chance to say, this is going no further. I am not going to reproduce what came before. I am not going to pass down to my children the bad things that got passed down to me. And we're not blaming anybody. This is not about blaming someone else. No, we're not the people who do that. We accept responsibility for our own conduct. And we, we understand that our environment may have conditioned us to certain things, but ultimately we choose the things we do and the life we live. And, and, and so, so we're not about blaming someone else, but it can become a blessing if it got to you and then you stop it. And you say, that's it. It's not going any further. Uh, it's not going to be in my home. We're not going to have that. My kids aren't going to be taught that's a normal way to live life like that. And they're not going to see us like that. And my, my kids are not going to sit in the car while their parents are in uh, the beer garden or somewhere else. We're not going to live a life like that. And we're not judging anybody else, but it stops here. And it becomes a blessing when it stops with you. And you say, okay, it's going to be different. Look, there are some people uh, who were birthed into other religions uh, who, who offered you no hope of heaven could not tell you what was going to happen to you when you die, uh, 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 offered you no hope, there was no light, and you were birthed into that, but by the grace of God, you've been delivered out of that. All right, that's an opportunity to stop a curse reproducing itself. And you don't just keep passing it on and passing it on. It's a blessing if it stops with you. So, so here's what I'm saying. Recognise what's in your life. Recognise its sources and by the grace of God and the power of Christ, break the cycle. Break the cycle. If the men you knew were abusers of their wives, break the cycle. If you were raised in a home where people cussed and swore, break the cycle and become different. If you were raised as a lady in homes where the ladies dominated their husbands by their nagging and their threats and their withholding of things, and if you were taught that's the way you control your man, break the cycle and, and say, enough of that. That's not of God. That's not in the Bible. That's, that's not of Christ. I'm going to break the cycle and learn a different way. And it becomes a blessing when it, if it gets to us, but then it gets no further. And we break the cycle. There are things I, I did not want to pass on to my children. Uh, there, there are things that I want to end with me. There are curses that I hope meet their end. Uh, when I go to a box or get called up to the air, that's it. And I may be bearing some things, but God help me, I don't want to pass it on. And you may have something in you, but at least have the common sense to realise it's a curse, it's not a good thing. And by the grace of God, you don't want to pass it on. And you want it to die with you. And curses ought to be purged out of our lives when we recognise them. Purged out of our mouths and purged out of our lives. It says in James chapter 3, verse 10, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to so to be. 
He's saying the same person coming out of your mouth is, is, a, is a blessing. You, you speak good things, but then you speak cursings. And he said that ought not to be so. Well, let me say that in the same life where there can be blessings and cursings, that ought not to be so. Get, get rid of the cursed thing out of your life and start by, by changing the way you speak. Stop, stop speaking words of cursing. And I don't mean just swearing. I mean stop pronouncing curses on your family. Stop, stop, stop the talk of negativity and put down and condemnation and stop telling your kids that they'll never be any good and and they're bad and and you know they'll ne- stop saying the things your parents said to you if any man is in Christ he's a new creature all things have passed away and if you're in Christ purge all that other stuff out Change the way you do things and change the way you speak. And if you get tender enough to God, it'll grieve your heart when you speak cursings out of your mouth and you, you, you pronounce negativity over your own family. And don't, by the way, don't pronounce negativity over our church. Don't, don't speak cursings over the church. If it's really that bad, go. If it's really that bad. But maybe, maybe it's not really that bad. You say, well, it's not perfect. Brother, I get to go on a lot of them. And it's just what flavour of not perfect you want to talk about. Okay? Because some of them, this is okay, but this is, you know. I mean, truthfully. It, it, is, it is around. Now, that's not saying we don't desire improvement and betterment. We all need to be learning. But, but stop. Be careful what we're saying out of our mouths is all I'm saying. I, I still pull my kids up and they're adults. I say, stop talking that way. Stop, stop the negativity. Don't, don't, I don't even want to hear stories that are negative. I don't want to even hear what you watched on TV that was negative. Because I find myself sitting there listening to it going, why am I listening to this? Why am I even listening to this? There's an opportunity in Christ to to make it end with you. To make it end with you. And say, my children, it's going to be better. By the grace of God, it's going to be better. Talk different to yourself and talk different to those around you. It says in Psalm 40, verse 3, and some of you need to claim this, and he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. He hath put a new song in my mouth. You know what? You're, you're whistling the same old tune, brother, sometimes, and you need to let God give you the new song. And and And... Let God put a new song in your mouth and we'll be different, we'll be changed. Number two, a curse becomes a blessing when it's used of God to help others. The Bible says Christ hath redeemed us in our reading because because he became the curse on the tree for us. By the way, what Paul is saying in verse number 15 when he says, I speak after the manner of men, What he's saying is, I'm just telling you how it works in an earthly sense. I'm not talking to you about how it is in heaven. I'm just talking to you about things that pertain to now. And that's what we're talking about this morning. You know, we we have a God who is not distant from the reality and the experiences of your life right now. God, God God is not someone who does not understand what you have to live with. God is someone who does understand your family lines, does understand... The, the inner battles you have, uh, does understand all these things. Uh, but these things pertain to earth. Uh, there'll be no curses in heaven. No one will battle with these things. But, but they are in many lives now. So when it's used of God to help others, it can become a blessing. Sometimes we learn things that we can tell or teach 
our children or others. And uh, we've learned sometimes through difficult ways. Sometimes our former bondages and brokenness can give us a burden for others who are going through similar things. We can help them find what we found, that Christ can deliver from the curse. Uh, I, I think about how God used things that I would say were curses uh, in my life to, to uh, work in my heart to enable me to help others. Uh, in many ways, I've become a father to the fatherless in Thailand. And uh, most of our people have fathers, but most of them did not have fathers, if you know what I mean. Uh, many, many were abandoned uh, when they were young children and their parents or father would come and see them sometimes but was not much interested in their life until they got older and then would ring them and ask them to send money every month. And, uh, and they don't even understand all that stuff. It's just, it's just that cycle goes on over there. Uh, but, but I also came from a home where uh, my relationship was not great uh, with uh, my own father and I don't, you know, have any intent to uh, point blame to him about that but just how it was. But, but that thing that I looked back and thought, well, that's just a curse. I, I remember the pain of going to school, primary school and the other kids sharing about what they did with their dad on the weekend. And I, and I was reflecting on what happened in our home on the weekend. And I, I felt pain and embarrassment about that. And I, I, I remember thinking, I, I just, I don't even know what it's like to have what you're talking about. And there are, there are kids here, there, some of you here, you grew up in a home where your parents delivered to you much more than they, things they never got themselves, but they gave it to you. And you should, you should have some thanksgiving for that. Because what happens is it becomes a norm for you and you don't understand that not everybody gets what you get. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a father on one occasion say to me, I love you. But I've said it thousands of times to my kids. Now, I don't think they probably think that's special. But it became important to me to say things like that. Uh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have conversations with my father. You say, what do you mean you didn't have conversations? I did not have conversations. Well, well surely you must have talked. We did not talk. So, so, so I talk with my kids a lot about whatever they want to talk about. Now, I don't think they think that's special, but, it, but they got something a whole lot more than what I had. And sometimes what we had before prepares us or, or teaches us, gives us something we can teach those who come after us. And you may, you may have something that's a curse, but if you would put it in God's hands, God could use that to help a lot of people. And, and I've seen that happen again and again and again. I, I think that's why I have compassion for Thai people that not every missionary has. And, and maybe it's just the preparation of what went before. That when I see them, I see a lot of my own life. And though the cultural dynamic is a bit different and the language is different, the same things are occurring. And I'm moved in my heart toward that. And, and I love to see people change. And you know that when, when people get changed, even in Thailand, their kids suddenly get a better life that they never had. And it's wonderful when you ran around long enough to start to see that. Let me tell you, the curse has been broken. The curse has been broken. None of our people have left their marriages. You say, oh, that's just Thailand. No, no, no. No, Thailand, they leave their marriages as much or more as they do here. They, they, they are like the woman at the well. Thou hast had five husbands. Their history, multiple wives. But I will tell you something. When our people who've come to Christ and have got set free from the curse of darkness, when they marry, they marry for life. And there's no talk about leaving or going. They just stay. 
They just stay. I remember talking to my wife when we got married, or before we got married, talking about marriage, and I said, I just believe that if we marry, this is for life. And I, I said, I'm, I'm pledging myself to be in this for life. I want it to go well, but even if it doesn't go well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to the end. I want it to be good, but whether it's good or whether it's not good, I'm staying. And we call that, in the old days, you know what we called that? Commitment. Commitment. In the old days, we, we believed that if you said something, you should stand by what you said. In the old days, we believed that when you got up and you got married and you made vows that you weren't just promising people, you were, you were making a commitment to God. Well, how about that? How about they say, well, the world's not that way. You're not supposed to be like the world. You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be different. Our curses can fall out to be blessings when it's used to help other people. Number three, our curses can fall out to be blessings when we don't blame God for what's happening. You know, you, it, when, when, you, when you get to the place where you just faithfully submit yourself to God despite your own pain. Hello. Well, I'm hurting. Half the world is hurting. Half the church is hurting. Well, I'm hurting. Many people are hurting. Many people carry hurts. So you, you have this perspective that people who keep going couldn't possibly be hurting as much as you're hurting. Or, or that the people who endure couldn't possibly have the pain that you have. And that's not true. We're not minimising what you feel because many of us feel it also. But, but, but we're saying that when you just submit yourself to God and you, and you commit yourself to God and you don't blame God for what's going on, then that curse can turn into a blessing. Uh, Job did that and it turned into a blessing. In Job 2 verse 10, it says, In all this did not Job sin with his lips. Despite everything that happened, no cursings came out of his mouth. And then Job 13, 15, he says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. I will keep going with him like I always have, no matter what happens. And then Job 42, the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. And what was a curse fell out unto a great blessing. But you've got to submit yourself to God with what you're going through. And I'm not trying to micromanage your life because I don't even know what's happening in your life. I'm just giving you principles that you apply as the, the Lord leads you. But when we don't blame God for what's happening, you know, I heard a, I heard a Catholic priest who was charged under the things that happened a few years ago to do with children. And uh, he was testifying through one of the commissions from jail. And he said that, uh, he would say to the other priests, he said, our, our thinking was this, it's not our fault, it's God's fault. He made us this way. And I just remember hearing that and not forgetting that. You know, there are some people across everywhere that can say, uh, it's God's fault. No, it's not, it's not God's fault. Well, 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 you know, I couldn't help it. I was born into this dysfunctional family. That's not God's fault. God never told Adam to sin. In fact, if you go back, God told Adam, don't sin. God, God, God didn't bring all this misery on the world. God, God warned people. God didn't want any of that to happen. How is it that, that we do things and then we blame God? And, and step B, we do things and we blame other people. Because it's never us. It's never us. And if it's never you, then, you know, you, you, you're never going to change. You can't look at yourself. 
It becomes a blessing when we submit ourselves to God. Number four, it becomes a blessing. A curse becomes a blessing when it causes us to come toward God rather than away from God. And sometimes the pain in your life or the, the difficult thing in your life, if it's done right, will cause, if it's managed right, will cause you to come toward God. That's not a bad thing. There are many people who found salvation because of the troubles in their life. And, uh, and you know, praise God that he used difficult things in your life to get you to Christ. Because now you have a home in heaven. In Matthew 9, verse 43, it says, If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. But here's the phrase I want you to notice. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed, eternal life, than having two hands go into hell. So some people are maimed, but it results in them getting to heaven. And it's better to go to heaven maimed than to be one of the beautiful trouble-free people who are going to go to the fire forever and ever and ever. Don't, Don't ever envy the lost. They have a bad destiny awaiting Everybody's body looks bad in the grave. Death decays everybody. Don't envy how they look. Don't envy what they drive. Don't envy where they live. Don't envy how much money they have in their bank account. Don't envy where they eat. Don't envy what they possess. It's a bad end awaiting them. Better to have less and gain more. Don't envy them. You know, someone shared with me the other day, they were just sharing, but they said, did you know that, you know, and I was sharing, Bill Gates' house has got a full aquarium with whales that swim and you can see, and, and it was, they were just sharing, but, you know, I, I don't care, <laughs> respectfully. I don't care. Because what, what, what is that? What, what is that? What is that? I don't care. I don't care how big you have. I don't care what you drive. I don't care the watch on your wrist or the money in your account. I I don't care. No, you're just saying that. No, no, I really, I don't care. Sincerely, I don't care. I I don't want that. I don't aspire to that. I'd rather win souls in the third world. I don't care about that. You say, don't you want somewhere to live? I have somewhere to live. Thank God. And, And I'm grateful. But I don't aspire to all those things. I don't read magazines like that. I don't watch TV shows like that. I'm not trying to keep up with anybody. Yeah. This nonsense that they now call TV. Boy, you, 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 you want to see the full ugliness of Aussie culture? Turn on TV. Boy, it's all there and it's pathetic glory. What a, what a nonsense. Well, you look at that for five minutes, you get sick in the stomach. Is this who we are? Man, I left 15 years ago when, you know, people were half normal. I've come back. Is this Australia? Is this what we are? The Chinese probably won't even want us in another five years. (laughs) It's become decrepit. I I don't have any envy for that. I don't say I've got it all together. I may be a bit maimed, but I've got a home in heaven because of Jesus and I know where I'm going and I know what's going to pass away and what's going to last forever. And I'd rather, listen, if my troubles bring me closer to God, then that's turned into a blessing. But never let your heartaches drive you from God. Do not allow your heartaches, your pain to drive you from God. Let it, let it become the wind that pushes you back towards God. It becomes a blessing when because of, the, of its presence in our life, God gives us greater grace and thankfulness than we had before. I think this was Paul's thorn. Uh, because of its presence in his life, he said, God gave me an increased measure of grace. Sometimes the people who are doing great things have been given great grace because of inner difficulties that they deal with. 
It becomes a blessing, number six, when we are elevated because it has humbled us. And sometimes the curses in our life and the difficulties, they humble us. And yet when we become humbled, God said, now I can lift you up. Uh, that, that thing that brought you low has brought you, now I, can, now I can lift you up. And it's a blessing when that happens. And lastly, I'll finish with this and we'll be done this morning. A curse can become a blessing when it causes you to ask questions that you need to ask about yourself and your life. In, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, verse 9, they're told you're cursed with a curse. In verse 8, they say, uh, they start asking questions. What have we done? And it's pertaining, but you can read it. They say, wherein have we robbed you? What have we done? Sometimes a curse will cause you to ask some questions about your life that you need to ask. And it, it has, it, the pain will, or the, the difficulty will humble you to a place where you will start searching out, is there a better way? You might even say, well, what do you do with this? And you, you might wrestle with some things with God, but that can turn under a great blessing, a great blessing, if, you, if, if it causes you to ask questions about yourself. There's nothing sadder than watching people perpetuate generational curses onto the next, the next, the next, the next. You know what I'm saying. You have it in your home, your villages, where you came from. You know these stories. I watch it in Thailand. I watch them perpetuate debt. Uh, Thai, Thai people mostly seem to believe if you can borrow, you should borrow. And they get thrilled the week they get the cheque. And then they're in a bondage for the next 10 years. And then the bondage spreads because they ring their kids and begin to pressure them that you need to send home money to pay the bills and we can't pay this and you need to leave where you are and go, you know, to a foreign country and sell yourself so you can send home money. And all this, this a big perpetuating curse just keeps going on, generation after generation. It's all to do with debt. So, so we will lead people to Christ, we address the matter of debt. We say, don't do this. Don't, 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 don't borrow because they're offering. Say no. It's a curse. We teach. You'll be the tail and never the head if you borrow. Get out of that. Stop doing that. You know, you're crying over the, pre the pressure your parents are putting on you. Don't perpetuate that. There are a lot of things like that where we need to stand back and ask some questions so that God can give us some answers from his word for our life and our situation. Christ became a curse for us, but it fell under great blessings. Paul said it was that the blessings of Abraham might come on to the Gentiles. We receive the blessings. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Bow your head for prayer. I pray that God has maybe given you something that will either help you or will enable you to help somebody else.